It's the UEFA Champions League on Paramount Plus. Europe's top club soccer tournament. Champions versus champions. The best teams facing off in the knockout rounds. Magnificent! And it all takes place. While you're filling out financial reports at work. In the middle of your day, in the middle of your week. So use that second screen. Call in sick. Do whatever you gotta do to tune in Tuesdays and Wednesdays. Nobody watches the UEFA Champions League like us. Stream every match live exclusively on Paramount Plus. In college football, coaches seem to have athletic departments by the throat when it comes to negotiating power for contracts. Salaries are rising and doesn't seem to be ending anytime soon. And coaches who don't even necessarily get jobs at other places end up getting huge raises at their current places because, well, why not? There's money to spend. And then you have Iowa, which might have the most curious and certainly most interesting contract for an assistant coach out there. Hello, I'm Brandon Marcello. It is Wednesday, February 15th. You're listening to the College Football Daily. Iowa offensive coordinator Brian Ferentz, who is the son of head coach Kirk Ferentz, just received an interesting contract at Iowa where points are few and far between, but certainly controversy and drama is never lacking. So we bring in Hawkeyes insider, David Eichel, to discuss this further. First off, just sit in simple terms, lay out what Brian Ferentz's contract looks like now, why it's changed, and why this is just plain weird. Yeah, Brandon. I mean, the reality is the reason why Brian Ferentz is still hired at Iowa is because his father, Kirk Ferentz, is the head coach. And Kirk Ferentz is Iowa Athletics, the longest tenured head coach in college football. But let's take a look at the amendments. So it was shortly after signing day, Iowa announced that offensive coordinator and quarterbacks coach, might might I add you, Brian Ferentz. So he, his salary is reduced by $50,000. So we're making $850,000 this upcoming year. And basically what they call it is designated performance objectives for the 2023 season, which is to average at least 25 points per game and a minimum of seven wins. And the seven wins includes a potential bowl game. And for a group that you know, in the Big Ten West, Brandon, it's completely wide open this next season. There's a lot of coaching turnover, and Iowa returns a, a plethora of really important pieces, and the schedule lines up perfectly for them. This is something basically to say, well, look, if Brian Ferentz hits these goals, his contract goes back into the two-year rollovers. He gets a $115,000 raise. The reality is it, this would not happen anywhere else in the country. I think there's a lot of a lot of tension between the Iowa fan base and what's going on within the football team. A lot of off-season rubblings were that Brian Ferentz was going to depart. But Brandon, let's not forget, there's still the lawsuit that Brian Ferentz is still named in. And I think that has really, really impacted his ability to potentially go back to the NFL as a position coach. I know there's a lot of ties with him and Bill O'Brien. That certainly just has not panned out. But this is a make-it-or-break-it upcoming year for Brian Ferentz if the past two weren't already like that. But th the thing is, that's going to be very interesting is Iowa going to puff out its chest and say, look at us, we tripled down when they win 10 games and average 25 points with Brian Ferentz, the offensive coordinator? Th they shouldn't even be in a position where he's they're able to do that. So I'm very interested what the season ticket sales are going to look like, but it's it's a laughable contract and it's a systematic failure all the way from the top down. Yeah, you mentioned the, the lawsuit, which for those unfamiliar, back in 2020, uh, there, there were allegations uh, of... I guess you would say kind of racist remarks or racial disparities, I think racial disparity issues. Yeah. Yes. Within the program, excuse me. And, uh, 
Brian Ferentz was among those listed uh, among former players. And now there's a lawsuit, a federal lawsuit that is scheduled, I believe, to go to court in May. Yeah. And Brian Ferentz is labeled in that. So that's hovering over him. And then if you want to go back further, we talk about controversy, even back to 2005, when he was a player at Iowa for his father, Kirk Ferentz, there was this whole issue that outside the lines discovered from ESPN that players at Iowa, some of them were in federal housing, Section 8 housing that should be set aside for low-income families that need help with housing. And Brian Ferentz was one of those players in that housing. And at the time, Kirk Ferentz said in a story that, hey, I don't give my kid a big allowance, you know, that, you know, it's up to him to figure out his whole situation. But the argument to be held there is, well, you're the highest paid public employee in the country. He's your son. Shouldn't you be the one taking care of him instead of taxpayers? And then also be taking away a spot potentially from a family that needs housing that really actually needs it. So it brings up a lot of questions, obviously, just about the Kirk Ferentz legacy and yeah. the family there. Is there some abuse of, of power going on here? When you are a coach and you're in a place long enough, it seems like things always kind of fall apart or there's some controversy that catches up to you. And obviously not everything is the same, but listen, he's been the head coach there now going into 24 years. And that's unheard of these days. And as, as we've seen in the past with big time head coaches that are at somewhere for two, three, four decades, even things just kind of fall apart and then legacies start getting tarnished. And it seems like we're heading down that road yeah. for Kirk Ferentz and not to say that they're not going to win big games this year or win 10 games once again, or make it to the big 10 championship game like they have, but David, we're also entering a bit of a yeah. sea change in the Big Ten. Most likely, divisions are going to go away here the next few years. And I hate to say it, but this is the truth of the matter. Iowa's had an easier road than most in the Big Ten West to make the Big Ten championship game. No doubt. And, no and doubt. that schedule could potentially get tougher. Times are changing. And so you kind of wonder, is Iowa at an inflection point here of trying to figure out how it fits in the Big Ten going forward? And is Kirk Ferentz holding them back or is he actually pushing them forward and putting them on solid footing going into this new look Big Ten? You know, I think it's a mixed bag there, Brandon. It's a lot to digest, but let's start back. I think that this upcoming year, people realize if I, this is Iowa's best chance for a Big Ten title this next season. I mean, you look at, like I said, the Big Ten West, all the coaching turnover. I think Wisconsin's going to get there. I think Nebraska under Matt Rule could potentially get there but they're not going to be a year one turnaround go in 10 games. I think Kirk's done a nice job in the transfer portal. I think Cade McNamara was one of the biggest additions in the Big Ten, arguably the biggest, I think. Then Eric All, and if he's healthy with Luke Lachey, that could be one of the best one-two tight end combos in the country, at least in the Big Ten. But I don't want to say Ferentz's legacy would be tarnished, but it's always what could have been. Because if you look at Phil... Phil Parker, by the way, should be a Broyles Award winner by now. The fact what he's done in the past two seasons to win Iowa games is phenomenal. And yeah, LeVar I was de Iowa's defensive corner, Phil Parker, who routinely just turns around top five defenses yeah. at Iowa. And as you said, just rarely mentioned the Broyles Award finalist conversation despite carrying the, this program, really. And, and listen, that's how... Iowa and under Kirk Ferris plays football. They play complimentary football. They played field position. Everybody jokes about, you know, all they do is punt there. Well, yeah. that's by design. It isn't like it's just, hey, we're okay with a bad offense, but that's kind of part of the plan. And 
they're not going to turn into an air raid team overnight. Heck, they're not no. going to turn into a pro style offense overnight. This just, it is what it is. And it's one year after year after year. I guess my question is that I guess I'll try and get to is can you sustain that? The game changes year to year, but it seems like college football is going to look a lot different, especially in the Big Ten here in the next few years. Absolutely not. It's not sustainable. I mean, the reality is, Brandon, over the past two seasons, when you look at Iowa's defense versus offense and special teams on the advanced analytics, there should be a whole 30 for 30 documenting how Iowa won 18 games. I mean, they should not have won a lot of those games, but Phil Parker's a a magician. LeVar Woods, Iowa special teams coordinator is phenomenal. And it goes back to the Brian Ferentz contract. Two things about it. One, why isn't it 25 offensive points? 25 points. I mean, let's talk about this. Iowa almost had as many defensive touchdowns as passing touchdowns last season. Yeah, six defensive touchdowns, seven passing touchdowns. (laughs) Phil Parker's defense scoring points. And as you mentioned, Brian Ferentz's contract is not your offense has to average 25 points. Just the team as a whole has to average 25 points. They have to hit 325 points. And... That can come any number of ways. A block punt for a touchdown, a punt return for a touchdown, a kick return for a touchdown, a, an interception for a return for a touchdown, as we saw last year with six by that Phil Parker defense. So it's like, so you, you, this is in your contract, but you also have these three other, four other outs to help you along the way. It's, it's no, kind of crazy. It's spoon-fed for him to get another contract once they hit that mark. And Brandon, 85 teams in, in Division One last year hit 25 points per game. It, it's not... Elite, it's not a high mark. And it's you know, not even, of, it's not even, no. as the kids would say, mid. That, that's below yeah, that's average. 130 <laughs> something teams in the, in the college football. It's crazy. Well, that's what's so maddening about it. And, you know, from Iowa fans' perspective, you know, a lot of outsiders say Iowa sells for mediocrity. Like, you know, they're okay with it. And Iowa fans have always strongly pushed back. I mean, you look at Iowa's win tolls over the past decade, yeah. they're up there with about anybody in Power Five. But, mm-hmm. Brandon, how do you push back against this? You're saying seven wins is the objective, 25 points per game is the objective. That's striving for mediocrity. That's striving to be average on top of putting together a nice transfer portal class, returning a lot of really key talent, by the way, with Cooper DeGene and Xavier Wampa. Those guys are, it could be Iowa's best secondary they've had in a long time. And that's saying something considering how great they've been. But this is a question I want to throw back at you. And I've spent a lot of time thinking about this. If LeVar Woods and Phil Parker were not so good at their jobs, let's say they were top 30, not top five coordinators, does Brian Ferentz still have a job as the offensive coordinator? Because my thought is no, he does not. No, and in fact, I would argue, I mean, because we knew, we know 2020, there was a lot of fire around Kirk Ferentz anyway. Like, is he going to be fired with all this controversy going on off the field and through his tenure there? They would have struggled, obviously. They would have struggled to win games, let alone just be able to, to score points, as we know, as we've seen over the years. I don't think he'd be the head coach right now. Considering everything, all that fire that was swirling around him, yeah. if if Phil Parker's not coaching the way he does year after year after year, I think Kirk Ferentz may may have been out of a job right now. But again, like, yeah. let's dive into the weeds here. Listen, Kirk Ferentz is a fantastic coach. His system works, but they've shown cracks and everything. And there are years where you're just like, man, this just this is not just boring football; it's dreadful football. But listen, I mean, when you're an Iowa fan and you look at the situation here. With Gary Barta as the AD and you going all the way back to 2012 when Brian Ferentz was hired and we're talking about nepotism rules and guidelines within the university about how you hire someone and AD Gary Barta stepped in and said, hey, it was my decision to hire him. 
All right. So it's kind of turned into that, that situation where Gary Barda is Brian Ferentz, the OC's boss, rather than yeah. Kirk Ferentz's father, who's the head coach, being his boss. And that's even kind of filtered its way into this contract with Gary Barda announcing this tweak in the contract rather than Kirk Ferentz, his actual boss, at least on paper, potentially would do it. So like when we just yeah. talk about the power structure sure. at Iowa, yeah. How do you make sense of it? How do you explain that without people thinking like this is just like a good old boy network type of thing that everybody talks about at other universities? It almost reminds me in some ways of like a mafia family, Brandon. I mean, the, the Ferentz family runs Iowa Athletic Department. And that's for good. That's not all for bad reasons. I mean, there's been yeah. a lot of good that's come out of it. So don't take that in sure. a negative connotation. But let's Absolutely. let's something to think about too. So Gary is Brian's direct boss. Imagine the fallout between the alumni, the, the big-time donors, the athletics department, and Kirk Ferentz, if Gary overstepped Kirk and fired and terminated Brian, I would have two things could have happened. One, could Gary Barta have lost his job, depending on how the people above him feel about it? I don't think that that would have been out of the cards. And what if Kirk Ferentz, if he felt a certain type of way about it, and I imagine he would, maybe Kirk's, you know, he signed that big extension through 2029. Well, if he's just like, you know what? I don't really want to do it anymore. And then where does that put Iowa in the midst of changing college football when you've had two head coaches in what, 45 years, 44 years, right. where does that put Iowa football if Kirk Ferentz isn't there? So, I mean, it, it's on paper, statistically, there was every reason to fire Brian. I mean, you really can't look at a stat and say, yeah, you know what? This is a guy we want running our offense, but look at the potential fallout with everything. This would not happen at any other program in the country at any level. It's a perfect storm of chaos right now as far as why he's still employed. But again, if Brian goes out there and that offense puts up 30 points a game with Cade McNamara, with Eric All, with some more of the transfer portal additions, you know what? That's all well and good. And Iowa fans will love it, obviously. But I also don't think that it should overshadow the fact that we shouldn't even be at this point. Much more on Iowa football after these messages. Baseball has begun, which means you need to listen to Fantasy Baseball Today in 5, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. Join Scott White, Chris Towers, and me, Frank Samphill, every Monday through Saturday as we deliver all of your fantasy baseball needs in just five minutes. We'll break down the biggest performers, news, and prospects who could make an impact this season. Make sure to download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and everywhere else podcasts are found. Yeah, it just certainly seems like, despite all the success, that here in recent years, it almost seems like that Kirk Ferentz, Gary Barta, they're building the steps to the stairs as they walk up them. And yeah. they just so happen to be able to put that step in front of them right at the last moment when they need to, and everything's okay. But the fact of the matter is, we don't know what's two steps ahead at this point. We don't know what's going to look like. And the problem, though, again, is the Big Ten's about to expand with USC and UCLA. Divisions are probably going away. Iowa's schedule is going to change potentially drastically. The road to the Big Ten championship is not going to be as easy, yep. quote unquote. And that's going to that's going to affect things. Okay, so all that aside, I know it sounds like we're just tearing Iowa apart. <laughs> it's just that this is such an interesting and fascinating discussion. Look at this yeah. contract, the power structure there, and kind of we're trying to make sense of all this for our, our listeners of why Iowa's just in this weird situation, why it is so interesting, and why it could matter. Maybe not necessarily this year. Certainly the 325 points and 25 points per game is fascinating to watch game to game. And listen, there's going to be chalkboards with the number there's up. We've already seen it. Websites. It. We've seen the t-shirts, yeah. the hoodies and everything. And that's great. But okay. So tell me, Iowa, 
they're going to be among the favorites in the Big Ten West once again. Why or why not is this offense better than it was last season? You mentioned the transfers coming in from Michigan. Quarterback Cade McNamara, who led them to a Big Ten championship just two years ago, yep. or a year and a half ago, and ends up their first playoff appearance. And Eric All, who's a dynamic tight end slash receiver, who had to deal with injury this year, but is certainly tremendously talented. Why is this offense going to be better? And I say that to say this. The only thing yeah. that pops in my head is Iowa had a great receiver. His name was Charlie Jones, and he went to Purdue, and he caught many more touchdown passes than yeah. Iowa did as an entire team this past season. So why? We've seen Iowa have tremendous tight ends, obviously, in the past, and receivers, and then not score a lot of points. So why is this year different, or will it not be? The thing that I think needs, that I think a big reason for people having optimism is the offensive line. I mean, if you look at when Iowa's offensive lines are good, the offense is actually capable. I mean, they can put up points. We've seen it in the past. And the bigger thing than the point total itself, Brandon, from last year to me, and even the year before that, Iowa has not been able to sustain drives. They have not been able to drive down the length of the field. The defense has been on the field an ungodly amount. But you look at Caleb Johnson, who I think could be one of the biggest breakout stars in the Big Ten. Running back, had an outstanding true freshman season. Big body guy. I think he's a potential future pro. And Iowa landing two transfers, offensive linemen, from the portal. Dijon Parker from Saginaw Valley State. I know it doesn't exactly roll off the tongue there, but he's a big six foot five body, 305 pounds. This is a guy who's played a lot of football. He has an NFL upside, in my opinion. Then Rusty Fifth. I mean, the second second team all-Mac guy who was coached by Iowa offensive line coach George Barnett at his previous stop at Miami, Ohio. So you have two veteran guys in there that can really take a step forward. And I think Kirk and Brian, you know, people give people need to realize this about Brian. Brian's not a good coordinator, but when Brian coaches positions, those positions have thrived in the past. So I think they're going to take a more hands-on approach there. Logan Jones comes back, Connor Colby, Mason Richmond. I think there's a lot of optimism that if the offensive front can be stabilized, when you look back at the past Iowa offenses from a decade ago, Brandon, they utilized the play action. And I think that's really been severely missing over the past couple of years. I think Iowa needs to land a receiver out of the transfer portal in the second window just from a pure number standpoint probably a big body guy but get caleb johnson going on the ground play action air it deep and i think the thing that people want to see more than anything else and i think they will on third and five do not throw the ball two yards down the field throw it past the sticks and i think that they're going to be able to do that with mcnamara at the quarterback position yeah brian ferentz is a tremendous offensive line coach we've seen that in the past i mean that's that's been his pedigree in the past so defensively, we just expect Iowa to be great every year. Yeah. How the heck do you replace Jack Campbell, who, I mean, he's a tackling machine, 118 something like tackles this past season, won the Butkus. The, the guy's amazing. Is it just next man up for Iowa? You mentioned the secondary maybe being as good as it's been, but what about that linebacker group? Well, Iowa landed, I think, a really potential late big splash that I don't think people are talking about enough right now. Nick Jackson, the Virginia linebacker, had 104 tackles last season in only 10 games, remember, because Virginia canceled the remainder of their season after what happened, their tragedy on their football team. But Nick Jackson coming in, Iowa got him over LSU and Oklahoma. I think Iowa's NIL was critical in landing that. But again, if you have Jack Campbell, who just won the Buckus, it's a pretty easy job to be able to sell it to him but Iowa also lost Justin Jacobs they lost Seth Benson who was a very high four linebacker as well look for Jay Higgins to step up in that linebacker room I think and I think Iowa's defensive line could be really 
really good. I mean, they lose Lucas Van Ness, who I know a lot of people wanted to come back for another year, but if you're a projected top 15 pick, you probably got to go to the league. Uh, look for Deontay Craig to step up there. Logan Lee. I mean, they have experience across the line. Joe Evans is a pass rush specialist, seven and a half sacks. They had 13 sacks in the past two seasons. He's an edge rusher guy. And then, as you said, Phil Parker. I think they're going to target at least one more cornerback in the portal. They get Jamari Harris. They have Xavier Wampa. And they have Cooper DeGene, who I really do believe could be a Jim Thorpe finalist at the end of this next season. So we're sitting here a year from now, David. What are we talking about when we talk Iowa football? What do you think? I think that it's going to come down to can Iowa continue to utilize the transfer portal and can they recruit to compete with USC, UCLA once they join the conference? I do right now believe that Iowa is going to win 10 games and go back to the Big Ten title. I just think it lines up for them on paper. I think Cade McNamara is on a revenge tour when it comes to he wants to play Michigan in the title. I really Mm -hmm. believe he's kind of got that edge to him. He had that edge with him at Michigan. I think he's going to have it again. And I also think that we're talking about Brian Ferentz's contract returning to what it was and him still being the offensive coordinator. But if they put up 31 points next year and 25 of them are offensive points, Brandon, I think people uh, will live with that. So I I think they're going to be at a very critical juncture. I think we're going to talk about can Iowa's NIL compete with these other programs and can Kirk Ferentz keep telling recruits, hey, I'm going to be here for a while. Come help us push us over the mountaintop. But I I think there'll be plenty of storylines to watch for, for sure. All these 10 win seasons under Kirk Ferentz, 24 seasons, total at Iowa. Only 14 of those seasons did the offense average 25 points or more. So 25 points isn't necessarily a benchmark to win 10 games at Iowa. He finds ways to do it because they play complimentary football with the defense. So again, a low bar to clear, but Iowa football is just different, folks. And uh, that's what makes this so fascinating. And you mentioned the Big Ten West undergoing a little bit of a kind of a sea change there. You mentioned Wisconsin, yeah. which has always been kind of the the other team in the Big Ten West that would always contend for the go to the Big Ten Championship. They are going undergoing a drastic overhaul offensively. We're talking about this is almost like, can you imagine Iowa going to an air raid system? That's kind of what Wisconsin's doing. They're putting some air raid principles in after here hiring Phil Longo as offensive coordinator from North Carolina, who obviously coached a tremendous Tar Heels offense led by quarterback Drake May and Luke Fickle taking over as head coach there. They're going all in on changing that offense and trying to do it overnight. And yes, Wisconsin might be in the race, but in the end, trying to do something so drastic overnight is probably not conducive to being in a championship race when November rolls around. And yeah, a lot of reasons to believe, despite all this noise about Iowa, that Iowa probably should be like, you should sit there. Like if we're betting men, it's like the, if the, if the over under on wins was eight and a half or something like that. And I even looked at lines, bet the over. This is a team set up to win nine or 10 games next season. No, I'm with you. And I know some people are even talking about seven and a half. And again, you just look at this. You just look at the schedule. Yeah, look schedule. I mean, they had two cupcakes and I think I was going to try to get some revenge against Iowa State. And I'm curious how the Cyclones are going to look this upcoming season. But again, yeah. the big test, the big early test for them is going to be when they go at Penn State near the end of September. And if Iowa's three, and zero and they're feeling good offensively, I, I think it could be a really, really fun matchup there as well. So and also another team we haven't talked about, keep Illinois in the mix. 
I think Brett Bielema's done a really, really nice job with that program. I know they're going to, you know, Chase Brown's not going to be there, but I, I wouldn't sleep on them. And I know they lost their defensive coordinator, but you got to give them some respect for what they accomplished last season. David, thanks for joining us on the College Football Daily. Make sure and check out his Insider Intel. He's the best on the beat there at Hawkeye Insider at 24-7 Sports. Fascinating conversation on Iowa and something we'll certainly be keeping of and doing a countdown with the points next season with Brian Ferentz's offense. Thanks for listening to College Football Daily. For our producer Lance Glenn, I'm Brandon Marcello. We'll see you down the road.